Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. I think I bought your old house. (laughs) So uh, in October of 2012, my uh, wife passed away from breast cancer. And even though she had been battling breast cancer for two and a half years, it seemed really sudden to me when it happened. But this isn't a story about that. This is a story about my wife, Amy, and her relationship with our next door neighbor, Anna. Anna moved in originally in 2010 with her boyfriend, Peter, at the time, but they had since broken up. And about six months before Amy passed away, we pulled into our driveway, coming back from another chemo appointment because we lived at OHSU for a couple of years. And Amy got out of the car, and Anna was sitting on her back deck, and Amy said hello to her, and they started chatting. And... I went in the house, and they were out there for probably 20 or 30 minutes. Now, that had not been my experience with Anna. When Anna moved in, Peter and I were sort of friends, and we would be chatting, and Anna would be standing right there, and she would never say a word to me. She would rarely look me in the eye. And after they broke up, I would come back from a bike ride, and we had this long driveway, and I would try to make eye contact with her. She'd sit out and read fancy books and stuff out on her back deck. And I tried to make eye contact with her and have sort of neighborly conversations. We knew all of our neighbors. We had lived there for seven or eight years. And I just, there was no connection. Like I got Zippo connection. So this continued on with Amy and her. And about two months after their friendship started, Amy walks into the house one day and says, we have got to find somebody for Anna. She's amazing. I want a list of all your single male friends because I am going to find her a partner. And I'm like, Anna? The woman next door who has said less than 20 words to me in the two and a half years that she's lived here, I have made maybe eye contact with her twice, maybe three times. And frankly, I just don't really think she likes me. So no, I want nothing to do with this. You're on your own. So a couple months go by. And Anna gets a dog. It's a black and tan Shiba Inu. His name is Rocky, and it's spelled with an I-E, not a Y, because (laughs) it's fancy. It's a fancy dog. And when, when they would go for walks, if I was sitting out on the porch, Rocky would run up onto our porch, and he sort of broke the ice with Anna and I because he's cute and adorable and his name ends in IE. So, you know, it's something you gotta pay attention to. So we sort of became neighborly friends and she would ask how Amy's doing and there was just more general chit chat. So a couple weeks after Amy passed away, I ran into Rocky and Anna when they're out on a walk and Anna says, how's it going? And I said, well, you know, have my good days and my bad days. Um, And she says to me, well, you know, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and I listen to people for a living. So if you would like to get together at some point, I'd be more than willing to sit down with you. So I thought, "Ah, what can that hurt? So we made arrangements to go to the Blue Kangaroo down the street. We were living in Selwood. We walked in on a Saturday morning, and that coffee shop is packed on a Saturday morning. It was busy. And we were lucky to find a couple of seats on the couch. And 
We sat down, we started chatting, 15 minutes goes by, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour just flies by. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I really like this woman. She is cool. Another hour goes by and I have to, you know, have to pull myself away from the conversation because I had an appointment to get to. And as we're walking back towards our houses, my soul for the first time in a number of years is starting to feel alive again. And my soul saying, ask her out, ask her out. And my heart is like, you can't ask her out. Your wife just passed away 30 days ago. I mean, what kind of person does that? And I had this torment going on inside of me. <clears throat> and so we said our goodbyes, went to the appointment. And then that night, I just, I couldn't stop thinking about her. And, but that torment was still going on inside of me. What would, what would the neighbors think? That was a big thing that was going on in my head. What would the neighbors think? The neighbors, all the neighbors were at the funeral. Like, we knew everybody. So it's stupid neighbors. I hated those neighbors then. <laughs> <laughs> I loved them a month ago, but now, you know. So the next day I get up and I send a text to Anna and I say, would you like to go to a movie and sushi? And she said, sure. So I go, I'll pick you up at six. So it was Friday night. I go out to my driveway, I back down my driveway, and she comes out of the house right next door to me. <laughs> and it's raining, because it's November, and her porch light is on. And when she turns to lock the door behind her, her long blonde hair kind of swooshes right by the porch light. And she turns around, and it's like her, she's glowing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh crap. I might be in trouble. She is beautiful. So we get to the sushi restaurant, and I don't even get my raincoat off. And she says, what are we doing? What is this? And I go, what do you mean, what is this? She goes, is this a date? Are we just friends? Are we just neighbor friends? I mean, what's going on here? And again, I'm like, I want to yell, yes, it's a date. But my heart's like, no, you can't do that. So I said... Why do we have to label it? Let's just see where it goes, which I thought was very clever at the time. <laughs> so we get done with the, the dinner and the movie and we're driving back home and I'm like even having more feelings now. And, and I don't know about all the other men in the room or even the women, but that first date kiss, do you just take a chance and reach in, hope you don't get slapped, or do you ask for it? And especially this, because we haven't even said it's a date. I mean, I don't even know what the hell this is, really, what's going on. I've never been on a date after my wife passed away. You know, I, I, there's no book for this, or maybe there is a book. I didn't, know, I didn't read it. So we get back to my driveway, still raining, it's November, and the only light in the car is from the glow from the radio. And I look at her and I say, I would really love to give you a kiss right now. And she says to me, I would really like that. Now, not to go into all the specific details to protect the innocent, I will just say that we had an amazing weekend. <laughs> Breakfast, dinner, sleepovers. <laughs> and when Sunday morning came around, and I woke up over at Anna's house. I felt like I had an elephant of guilt on top of me. 
I felt like I had been cheating on my dead wife the entire weekend. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know if I can fall in love and deal with grief at the same time. I need to go. And so I left. Now, fortunately, I had my regularly scheduled therapy appointment that week. I had been seeing the therapist for the last two years, um, dealing with Amy having cancer. And I went in and I just blurted it all out. This is what's going on. And she looked at me at the end of the session and told me three things that changed my life. She said, you can hold grief and love at the same time, which made zero sense to me. No connection at all to that. The second thing is, is that life is for the living. Okay, that makes sense. And the third is, is that Amy would not want you sitting in your house feeling sorry for yourself. She fought so hard for her life that she would want you to have a life. Now, the third thing makes logical sense, but Amy never talked about dying. She refused to talk about dying. She didn't want anybody around her to talk about the potential of her dying. So when she died, I had to deal with funeral, no funeral, music, no music, buried, cremated. I had to come up with all this stuff on my own because we never talked about it. So I left the therapist's office and I said to myself, if a psychologist tells you you can hold love and grief at the same time, who am I to argue with that? Who am I? So we tried. Now, it sounds much easier than it actually is. It was some bumpy times ahead, mostly on my end, because one week I'd be like, no guilt, and then the next week I'd have all this guilt. So it's like, here, come here, love me, and next week it's like, get away, I'm grieving. It was not pretty, but somehow, we managed to make it through the holidays and get into the next, the next year. So it came time in the relationship. We we're probably dating at this point about 90 days where it was time to meet my mom. Now, that's not a scary thing typically. My mom's pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, my mom's never met a girlfriend after my wife's died, so this is all new territory. So we made arrangements to go to Ava Jean's on Division. We drive over there, we get into the restaurant, we sit down, order drinks, and Anna looks at me and says, I forgot my insulin pin at the house. So I, without even thinking about it, I jump up and I say, I'll go get it. And so I grab the keys and I walk out the restaurant and I'm walking down to the car and I go, I just left my girlfriend of 90 days with my mom. First time they've met, this could be tragic. So I run and get the pin. I come back. I was gone maybe 30 minutes. And I walk into the restaurant. And I sit down. And they are laughing and carrying on like they have known each other forever. I felt like a third wheel, actually, at that point. <laughs> if, if, I didn't ha if they didn't need me for the insulin pin, they probably just would have told me to go home. <laughs> so the evening was coming to a close. And I was relaying the story to my mom about Amy and how she was obsessed about finding Anna somebody to be with. And my mom looked at both of us and said, it looks like she has. <laughs>